What's up, everybody? This is the latest edition of the 1796 Sports Podcast. This is going to be our UConn preview. We've got the Tennessee Volunteers welcoming the Huskies to Neyland. Should be a real barn burner. I know uh, everybody's really nervous about it. No, I'm just kidding. It's it's going to be probably not very good for them. Um, Jim, Ryan, what do you all think? Yeah, um, my notes for this game – uh, I opened a Word document and then realized uh, there's no point to write down any notes. And don't get me wrong, I hope the team's not thinking that, but this should be a rest up, you know, get the starters out early. I mean, the, the line's 35 or more, so this 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 should be a walk in the park, but, you know, the team's still out. you got to respect every opponent, but, you know, th- this is one of those games, so. Yeah, I mean, the Huskies are coming in 1-7, and seven on the season uh the quarterback play i mean isn't that great 57 percent uh completion rating um with 1200 almost 1300 yards we'll round it up but you got the highest rushing on their team is 405 78 carries so i mean these guys you know i hate to say that they're bad because i mean they're division one athletes I'm not going to dog these kids because, I mean, I have nothing against UConn, really, except for Gino. But um, other than that, yeah, I agree. I think this is a uh, – this should be – I think this will be our first 50-point game, especially the way Joe's been playing. I think uh, Joe, I think we go into half with a 28-point, maybe even more kind of lead, and I hope we could get them out of there at halftime. Absolutely. I mean, that's the that that's the absolute goal in games like this is you have to get away from it without any injuries. That besides winning, that should be priority number one. Yeah, I mean, it's do your job. Don't make it stressful. Don't make it a thing. Don't don't have a repeat of the Austin P game. Um, which honestly, though, I think Austin P would beat UConn, and I'm serious. I I, I think. Austin P would handle UConn pretty easily. I mean, UConn is they're they're bad. They're really really bad. Um, the only team they beat is Rice, which is actually kind of surprising because Rice isn't that bad. But I mean, they lost to South Florida. Um, pretty close though. Boston College, Utah State. I mean, they've lost to everybody. Uh, they've been close a couple times, but they're just not. They're not very good. Well, the one ranked team that they played was Duke, and Duke wiped the floor with them. So, yeah, yeah. So again, like NVF said, their passing attacks nothing to write home about. Their running attacks nothing to write home about, and their defense gives up a ton of points to mid teams. So, if this is the type of game where you would expect Joe Milton to have a fantastic performance, especially after what he did against Kentucky. And we were all pretty impressed by that performance. So hopefully he can stack another impressive performance on top of that and get out of there at halftime. Yeah, I, I really expect Joe to have a, 
I'd say a big game, but I'm hoping he's out by halftime in a good way. Uh, I agree with because uh, I I believe Ryan, you said it earlier on the other podcast, but I mean coming in with all this momentum, I don't want Joe to lose it. So the more he plays, gets that confidence going. You know, throw a couple passes down the middle. Let this guy throw a couple. You know that you normally wouldn't throw during a Kentucky game or the Missouri game, you know, let him, let, let's see what he's got, you know, like we haven't seen it all year and let him, <clears throat> let him toss a couple missiles down the field and uh, get some confidence up before next week. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, the, the talk this week in Knoxville, I mean, Joey Halsey said, um, it, it kind of makes me think that they're not really focusing on Nico playing early because CC said that, they want to continue the momentum of the offense like you just alluded to in VF. So I I don't expect them to play Nico before halftime. I know that's probably the, the big topic of this podcast is when, when will we see Nico. Um, and based on what he said earlier in the week, I don't think you see him before halftime, maybe even not before the fourth quarter. So I think they're really focused on figuring out this offense until you get – but before you get to the stretch run of these last – Really, really, the next two games. I mean, because Vanderbilt's going to be similar to, to UConn, probably. So, probably that's, worse. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that's, um, uh, you know, something else to think about is it's we all want to see Nico, and you know, obviously, we hope that we're blowing UConn out at halftime. But that that is actually a pretty good point, though, Ryan. Like, maybe they want to build off this positive momentum the offense has found lately, and let Joe stay in a little bit longer than they normally would just to kind of try to keep the rhythm for the last, you know, stretch run of the season. So that, that, that makes some sense to me. Um, I still think it'd be kind of foolish to not let Nico get some run. I mean, if he, unless you're going to play him in a Vandy game or something, I mean, I think he should still play, but that does make sense. See, I, I think a half is plenty of time to get the offensive rhythm. So the, well, you're probably looking at, 40 points, you know, by halftime or minimum midway through the fourth, the third quarter. So I think that's plenty of time to get the offense in rhythm. And you got a quarter, maybe even two, to get Nico some meaningful reps. So I think that you can accomplish both during this game. Yeah, I, I think, I don't know. In my opinion, I think Nico should be on the field at halftime. Get, let him play with the starting you know, Lyman, maybe a drive or two, and then let's keep these guys healthy. But I think Nico's got to get experience, especially with that starting line, to you know get a feel for the game. At least one, at least one game this year. Because like, yes, Vanderbilt he'll probably play a little bit more, but I mean, depending on how the season's going. Um, but but yeah, I think Nico needs to play and. Toss the rock a little bit. I, I would love to see an eco touchdown. Yeah, that's that's the. I, th- I think that's why most people are coming to this game. <laughs> let's let let's see Nico get his first touchdown in orange and white, and Summit Blue. <laughs> but uh, what uh, are some no. other? Go ahead, Bryce. I was just gonna say, don't bring up Summit Blue. NVF got dragged through the mud all day because of Summit Blue. <laughs> Yeah, over yeah, a hypothetical. Yes, yeah, people get uptight about the uniforms, but uh, 
What are some players that we haven't seen this season for both of y'all that y'all want to see get in the game Saturday besides Nico? Because I got mine. Okay, so before – I think I might be able to guess yours. Um, but NVF, did you have one ready? Um, yeah, I'm actually – I would like to see um, Cam Seldon play a little bit. Um, I think he's going to be a really good back. I would love to see um, – oh, God, tip of the tongue, tip of the tongue. Um uh, I'd like to see a little bit more of uh, Josh Josephs. Uh, I know he's been playing a little bit more frequently, but he hasn't been on the field as much as he was last year, I feel like. Yeah. Bryce, what, what about you? Uh, so I want to see more of Caleb Webb and Nimrod just because I know they've been playing more. Nimrod had a great play last week, but I think we need to know what we got there. Um and then, honestly, like, I know it's not like a, everybody's going to be wanting to see Nico, but I, I kind of want to see a little bit of Gaston more, too, I just to see what he can do. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if – wouldn't that be the biggest troll job ever, though? What if they, like, in the second half, Gaston comes in and Nico just doesn't even play? <laughs> that uh, would be – no. There, there's I no think you might get some booze for that. Yeah, there, there might be couches burning. Yeah. But uh, the guy that I've been thinking about, and it's mostly because of what our offensive line is going to look like ne- next year, mm-hmm. and y'all may or may not know this name, is uh, Bison Lang. He's a freshman offensive lineman that we got. He was only a three-star, but he had 50 offers, one of which was Alabama. He's from Alabama. And there's a lot of talk in the building that this guy is probably going to be one of the anchors of your line next year. So I would like to see him get out and show what he can do tomorrow. Well, I'm sure a, you'll get to see him. Yeah, for, for like a substantial amount of time. And then the other one is kind of bouncing off what, what Bryce said with Gaston. Since it's homecoming, I, I want to see Navy Shuler. It, it, it would warm my heart to see his son get in there and sling the rocks too. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we're winning by enough, all of those will be – on the table. Yeah. And, and not, not just vice and Lang too. I, I want to see what we have behind because it, we, we, we've talked about it the last few pods, like offensive line is going to look a lot different next year. So I really want to see how they perform for more than just a few drives in the fourth quarter where they're handing the ball off. Yeah. And we talked about it before, but you know, that's the biggest, the biggest hole is going to be our both lines on each side of the ball is going to be our biggest, you know, go get pieces for the transfer portal next year. I mean, the offensive line, you know, especially. But, yeah, I agree. I think you got to get those young kids in there and um, see what you got because maybe, maybe it's a, you know, a diamond in the rough that we're not seeing. And, well, that we're not seeing. They might already know. I mean, uh, Ellerby's been doing such a phenomenal job with the offensive linemen. So, um but yeah, I agree. I think we need to see some uh, young faces in there this weekend, and hopefully uh, we don't get a repeat of Austin P to where we couldn't. So, yeah. I think uh, uh, Dave and Hobbs would be cool to see, just because we've got so many defense. Like, um, Big O, Tyler Barron, you know, are both seniors, and then 
Elijah Simmons is a senior. So I just think it'd be cool to see some of the – David Hobbs is really the only young guy that's probably going to get any playing time. So I think that would be cool. Yeah, yeah he kind of disappeared because he played a lot during, like, those uh, first two games. He he actually played a good amount in the Virginia game, didn't he? Yeah, I, I think I saw him for a few a few steps during the Kentucky game, too. But um, – He's, He's definitely highly touted. They're they're going to use yeah. him. Rodney Garner's on the hunt with him because I think, I think you're right, Bryce. I think he's going to be a good one uh, once he gets a little bit of experience. Yeah, I mean Hobbs and uh, Shandavion Bradley were, were were the two gems on the defensive line in the last class. So they're 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 going to be expected to perform come next year. Oh, yeah. It's a little bit concerning though that like. Our our corner depth. I really am excited. I mean, I know I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but that's I'm really excited to see what we do in the transfer portal at in the secondary because it is not looking too good in terms of like prospects that can fit jump right in. Yeah, but I mean, in, in the last class we had three good corners, three or four. I know we had Christian Conyer. Um, uh, Ricky Gibson and um, Jordan Matthews, mm-hmm. who are all going to be expected to do something next year, transfers or not. I mean, you have to have depth, bottom line. But, yeah, that's definitely another spot in the transfer portal that we should definitely be looking at come the offseason. All right, NVF, you got anything else you wanted to get into? All right, if if, uh, if nobody has anything else, then I have some some Twitter comments I got to get to. Oh no! You can go on to those. We'll talk about the Missouri Georgia game this week later. Heck yeah, absolutely! And then we'll we'll preview the rest of the season too briefly. Um, so I put out a tweet: um, How many snaps does Nico get against UConn? Um, and then you know score predictions and yada yada yada. So Riley Pitts. On Twitter, said that he heard a rumor that Nico was practicing with the starting team. I I don't think that's true. No, like, he got that from a Richard West tweet. That yeah, I was about to true. say that sounds like a Richard West. Uh, if we see Nico, I definitely think it's this week. I want to see some deep balls. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I think that would be nice to definitely see Nico come in the game and and, and hit some deep shots. That would definitely get the crowd going. That's for sure. Um, and then the VFL show, our partner came out and said 52 to 10 balls. He thinks Nico comes in with about six minutes left in the third. You know, I would take that. I mean, that's, you know, you get a quarter, a little bit more than a quarter of action. I, uh, that'd be okay. And then Vol of the wild, another friend of the show, uh, he's predicting an even bigger blowout. He's predicting 63 to 14. And Nico and Gaston both play, um, which would be pretty cool because I'd like to see both. But, yeah, so that's what we got there. Everybody's expecting a giant blowout. Um, and then I also did a poll that got a, over 100 uh, votes. And NVF, most people agree with you. It was. Let me get it real quick. Let me see what the actual num final number was. So it looks like 
Yeah, overwhelming majority, 67% voted to that they do want to see. For one week, it would be cool to see Summit Blue in the uniforms, which I agree. I mean... Here's the deal about the uniforms. Do I really care? No. But, you know, just talking to people, and it's just a cool thing to do for, you know a woman like Pat Summit, because a lot of people really don't know her story. And I think people took it the wrong way. Cause I think I correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you were saying that should be the permanent alternate uniform. Like I, I think you were saying it would just be cool. as like a every once in a while thing. Right. Well, no, it's, it's kind of like the black jerseys. We don't wear the black jerseys more than once a year. Right. And same thing as the grays. We don't wear those more than once a year. But, you know, something to honor Pat Summit is pretty cool to do. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying you got to do it every single year, but it would be cool every now and then, you know, for homecoming to just bring out these little blue jerseys or it doesn't have to be necessarily the whole blue jersey, but, you know, put accents in it to where, you know, not just the wristbands and all that, because I thought that looked kind of stupid last year. It was cool to do, but it's orange and white and just light blues very weird to see on little accents like that well that can be a perfect segue um because we did want to talk about pat summit a little bit you know being that it is yukon and you know the history there so ryan i'll let you have the floor yeah um this might be a hot take for a lot of people but pat summit is the best coach of any sport to ever be at tennessee i don't think it's close um, I don't think that's a hot take at all. I think I, that's factual. It shouldn't, be. it shouldn't be. I mean, the stadium's named after Robert Neyland, but Pat Summon has eight championships and basically invented women's basketball. So, like, I, I'm going to tell you all my favorite Pat Summit story, and if you all have one after, go ahead and share it too. But uh, it, it's in one of the 30 for 30s on, on Pat. And she uh, – her only son that she had, Tyler – she was about to give birth to him, and they were on a on a plane coming home from a recruiting trip. They were flying over Virginia, and she went into labor. And the pilot was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll land the plane. And Pat Summit said, no, don't land this plane anywhere but Tennessee. And it's because Virginia beat them in the Sweet 16 the year before. That's outstanding. She that, sounds like a tough cookie. I was about to say that that's some badass right there. That is awesome. Um, yeah, I, I think there's nobody that kind of embodies the the spirit of Tennessee. I think she's one of the people that is even in our generation, Ryan. Like you know, me and Ryan are in our mid twenties, uh, and I think even in our generation, we 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 realize the legacy and impact that Pat had. Um, when you think of Tennessee athletics, I mean, that's who you think of Pat and probably Peyton Manning. Like those are the two names that come to mind for most people. And I think it's just a testament to what she did off the court and on the court. Um, so yeah, a, tr- a true legend. Which is why about the jerseys is cool to do, especially if you put, you know, a patch my favorite thing about the thing I posted on Twitter was the the you know Pat Summit patch on the on the uniform. Not necessarily the blue. It's just 
you know, pointing out on why we're doing it. But, um, but yeah, and it's nothing like this week, especially against UConn out of all teams to, you know, do something for her, especially I'd be, I hope we get like a little Pat summit, like little video on the, uh, jumbotron this week. I don't know about you. It's gotta be, um, that I want to say at least one more thing about Pat. I'm sure I'll think of a few more, but, uh, she, um, my favorite quote from Pat is a champion is someone who is willing to be uncomfortable. That's, that that brings tears to my eyes, to be honest, considering she won eight damn national championships. And mm-hmm. one more thing, uh, the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame picked a coach of the century. And up until it was announced in 2000, obviously, the only century that basketball ex- existed, and it was Pat Summit, Not John Wooden, not Bobby Knight, rest in peace, not anybody else. It was Pat Summit. So, well, dang, you got even the court is named after her. Yeah, Pat, it's like Bryce said earlier. Pat Summit embodies everything that the University of Tennessee is. And for people to bitch about a jersey just because just, just because there's a little blue in it and be that, that uptight is befuddling. Well, and it's the same people. And I get it's a little different because it's, you know, there's historical reasons for this, but. The, the same people love the Condridge jerseys, which are – I think the Condridge Holloway – which I love Condridge, one of the best UT quarterbacks ever. Those uniforms are atrocious. I, I'm sorry. I don't know if that's a hot take. I think they, – Yeah, they, they could have been done better. I think they're absolutely abysmal. I, I hope we never wear those again. <laughs> no. See, I wasn't – I'm not – totally against them i'm not saying that they're not all that i get why they did it it's a cool it's a cool concept you're honoring one of the best and um i just like the traditional gray ones the normal ones we usually wear but like i said i mean now we're getting into like the the rabbit hole of jerseys (laughs) but um but yeah i think um something pat summit related would be kind of nice especially during the homecoming weekend yeah, I think that's the perfect time to do it. Like on homecoming every year, have something dedicated to Pat. So that's no, that's my thoughts. At least well, that's and that's kind of like Kelly Harper. I mean, Kelly Harper supports the football team a hundred percent. Same yeah. thing, like Tony Vitello. All the coaches in Tennessee support each other. So why not do something? Because the football team's obviously the biggest sport. You know, the athletic part of Tennessee. The fact that they, you know, support the Lady Vols for basketball is, you know, pretty cool in, in my opinion. Yeah, it's this this isn't Kentucky where you have your basketball coach and football coach going back and forth with, with with each other. Everybody supports everybody, and Pat Summit wore a cheerleader costume to a men's basketball game in two thousand seven because Bruce Pearl painted his chest and went to a, a Lady Vols game the week before. Like, this has always been a thing. Everybody supports everybody. And that's what the University of Tennessee is all about. Yeah, and I think Pat was very instrumental in making um, the women's athletics at Tennessee kind of on par with the men. Like, I don't know very many Vols fans that will tell you they don't care at all about the Lady Vols. Like, 
most Vol football fans are also Lady Vol fans, which is pretty cool. Like, I don't know if you all agree with me on that or not, but, like, I've never really heard of other schools that treat the Lady teams like that. Like, you ever hear about – I mean, South Carolina maybe because they're dominant, but I don't ever hear about, like, Auburn women's sports. But I feel like Lady Vols are, like, very, very popular, very well-respected. Yeah. Like, yeah, Pat Summit wasn't just a big part in Tennessee get like getting close to as big as men's sports with with the women's sports. It was everywhere. Like she she brought women's sports to a whole a whole new level. Like she's probably the person if Pat Summit didn't exist, there would not be a WNBA. There, there wouldn't be a lot, a lot of things that get dedicated to women's sports and the support that the women's sports gets at Tennessee is the reason why we're like one of the only schools that are that successful in, in each and every sport. So it's, it's all about the, the mindset that she instilled that still lives on today. So I don't mean to, you know, switch the subject, but I want to really talk about this Missouri George game um, coming up this weekend. Cause obviously, I mean, Tennessee knows like, 99% is we're going to win this game, so no one really cares about it that much. Um, but we got a big game with two of our next – the next two opponents that we're facing. We had – first we had Texas A&M and then Alabama playing each other, and now we got Missouri and Georgia. So it's kind of, you know, uh, interesting, and I am kind of want to hear your thoughts on how you guys think this game's going to go. Yeah, yeah so – First of all, I was incredibly impressed with Georgia last week. Um, granted, you know, say what you want about Florida. Nobody really thinks they're that good. Which, But I was still impressed by the fact that I didn't expect Georgia to make it look that easy without their best player. Um, you know, so that's kind of concerning to me because not the – I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. I don't think – this version of Tennessee is better than this version of Georgia, obviously. Uh, it, it's going to be hard to beat them anyway, but I thought it would maybe, you know, increase the odds pretty pretty dramatically with Bowers being out, but now I'm not so sure. I mean, they're just such a good team all around. If you look at uh, ESPN's FPI, so Georgia's getting an 83.3% chance to win the game. Uh, it's because they're fucking Georgia and cut that <laughs> Uh, it's because they're Georgia and they're at home. Um, it clearly, I mean, Missouri is, I think we're all impressed. Nobody expected Missouri to be seven and one at this point. Um, you know, I do think, I do think though that Missouri has the chance to make this a game. I think Missouri's offense, I've talked about it on multiple episodes now. I think Missouri's offense is pretty freaking good. I think that, you know, Theo Weiss and Luther Burden, I mean, that's that's a legit, you know, receiver group. And I think that Georgia's front seven specifically is not as good as it has been in years past. It's still pretty good, but it's nothing special like it usually is. So I, I do think Missouri could make it a game. Um, do I think they'll win? No. I think all in all, Georgia has better athletes and the better coach. <laughs> They're at home. I do think they'll end up pulling away, but I think it'll be one of those games kind of like the South Carolina game where it's close in the first half and 
Georgia pulls away at the end. Well, you also got, I mean, if you look at last year, I mean, Missouri almost beat him last year. And yeah. I think, and the thing about Luther Burda, man, like, and I don't care what anyone thinks, he is going to go off against our secondary. If we play like we did against Kentucky, he is going to go off against our secondary. We cannot, like, to me, you can't be in zone coverage against Luther Burden. You have to have someone on him at all times and preferably probably double-teaming him. And, you know, I think, I don't know, Georgia's pass game, you know, pass defense is pretty good. So I think I think you're right. I think Georgia handles this game, especially when the, you know, poll put them as number two. I think they're going to be pissed off, and I think uh, their fans are going to be pissed off. So I think it's going to be a crazy environment, and uh, expect Georgia to be number one the, the following week. Yeah, I think the biggest thing to me about that matchup is I don't like it. I, I, I don't think it's close that this is the best passing offense that Georgia will have played this year. And I, I think Missouri's going to have to win a shootout if they win, especially it being in Athens, which, you know, that even less. Well, than no, it'll be 330, won't it? Yeah, I think it's a 331. Well, they haven't announced it yet, I don't think. I think it's three thirty because LSU and Alabama is always a night game on CBS. So yeah, because I think we're on, or oh no, that's this week. I was say next week for the Missouri game, they have no idea what we're going to be on. Yeah, yeah. The the passing offense for Missouri certainly has the capabilities to keep up with Georgia's passing offense. And uh, but you know it, it'll be tough for them on the road, and it's it's hard to make the game a shootout as a road team most of the time. So I feel like Georgia's going to end up pulling it out by two scores probably. Now we hear a lot about the Missouri offense. I haven't really paid attention to their defense. Um, do you guys, have you guys looked at them? Cause I, uh, I have yet to embark on that, uh, you know, highlight research. I'm obviously yeah, so I'll do it for next week, but their total defense is in the f- Bryce help help me out shit. <laughs> yeah, so it got a lot better um, at the beginning of the season. It was not good. Um, it's still not great, but I'm looking at total defense now. They have moved up to they are the 38th total defense in the country, which is nothing to sneeze at. Um, that's a pretty decent defense. They're giving up 338 yards a game, um, which for reference for anybody listening, that tennis, Tennessee currently has the 26th ranked defense in the country, total defense. So, And Florida's 34th. But, I mean, Missouri's got a better defense in terms of total yards allowed per game. I mean, Missouri's got a better defense than Kansas State, Oregon State, Ole Miss. Michigan State, they suck. Kentucky. So, I mean, Missouri has an above-average defense. So, I don't think – it'll obviously – I think it'll be tougher for Carson Beck um, this week. Even, you know, at home, I I think Missouri – Eliah Drankowitz is a dork, but I think he's a pretty good coach, and I think uh, it'll be a tougher game for Carson Beck here. Yeah. 
I mean, Georgia's passing offense is incredible this year. Pretty sure they're top five in the country, which is not something I thought I'd ever say about Georgia. But it, you know, it's you never can tell what will happen. But it's like I, mean, I said earlier, the, yeah. the Georgia, the home environment, and them probably ha- having to steer the game towards a shootout leads me to believe that Georgia will handle them. So, well, it's cliche, but it'll probably end up being one in the trenches. Um, yeah, so Missouri actually has a pretty good front seven. They're they're very fast and athletic. They're number twenty in the country in sacks per game. So, like, Missouri gets after the quarterback. Only problem is Georgia has given up some of the the least amount of sacks in the country. I mean, Georgia's number six in sacks allowed. They've only allowed six sacks all season. Mm -hmm. So, you don't really get pressure on Carson Beck a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting because, I mean – Realistically, as a as a Vol fan, you want Missouri to win this game because then if you go to Missouri and beat Missouri, all you got to do is beat Georgia the next week, and you're in a good spot to win the East. Yeah. If, well, if and you, you also go ahead, Bryce. You also don't want. I mean, I I think like superstitiously like this. You also don't want Georgia to beat the dog shit out of them. And then we're going up to Missouri next week, and Missouri's going to have a bad taste in their mouth after just getting blown out, and they're going to want to destroy us. So they're going to want to destroy us anyway, though, because of the past two years. Yeah, I mean, what what whether they want to, what they what they want to do, and what they can do, you know, it's a whole different thing. But it would just for multiple reasons, it would be great to just see Missouri go ahead and pull out that upset. That would be amazing. Like yeah, I said, I, I don't, I don't see it. But obviously, and normal ball fan just said it. I mean, if Missouri wins, Tennessee now controls their own destiny as far as the SEC East. So that's obviously what we want to happen. But I'm just not convinced that they have the horses to do it in Athens. So. Yeah, it's a. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm like, I'm thinking about, you know, if. <laughs> Like you said, it's it's kind of just a. I hope they do it just because of, you know, for our sake. But still, I mean, we in essence control our own destiny. I think if if you can win out, I'm not saying we will, but if you can win out, uh, I mean, Tennessee's going to get a pretty nice bowl. I mean, if not, you know, the East, if if everything works out our in our favor. Yeah. Anybody see the spread on that Georgia-Missouri game? I have not. Oh. It's 14-and-a-half, Georgia. Now, Mm. I think Missouri covers that. See, everybody's going to think that, though. Home team team and a hook, 14-and-a-hook. I might take Georgia just because – They're home, bro. Everybody's going to take Missouri. Georgia is going to be playing pissed off, I'm telling you. I mean, the fact that they're not number one in the country, they're going to be playing pissed off. Yeah. All right, there's your 1796 sports betting tip of the week. Fade Missouri. (laughs) Don't take my betting tips. (laughs) Yeah, I I think Georgia's pretty well done messing around with their competition at at this point in the season. So you all convinced me. Take Georgia and the points. 
like I said, I mean, the fact that you you win two championships in a row and they're putting you as number two behind Ohio State that has won absolutely no games this year, the Penn State team that they played is not good. And don't get me wrong, Ohio State's defense is legit. Marvin Harrison Jr. is legit. Yeah, but, but the quarterback is not. Right, it's no C.J. Stroud. Yeah, it's, it's like we talked about a few weeks ago, like, even the college football playoff ranking, they're going off what, what games you've won this year. They, they really don't take into account or care who is actually the best team. They're going off what you've done so far. Well, I mean, either supposedly, but what has – I mean, I, I sound like an SEC homer probably, but I think Georgia, granted, they don't have a tough schedule. I think their schedule is still better than Ohio State's. I mean, Ohio State's best win – Ohio State's best win is Penn State, and I mean, they I don't think any. Need them. I don't. Yeah, they hardly. I don't think anybody thinks Penn State is like a juggernaut. I mean, they can barely move the football most of the time. They can't throw the ball down the field. Their second best win is Notre Dame, who, you know, you never know what you're going to get on a week to week basis from them. I think Notre Dame is overall pretty good, but yeah, well, well I don't what I see what that. makes them a number one team. What I would say to that is Georgia hasn't played a ranked team, so I understand why they're ranked two instead of one. So that's just my two cents on, on the ranking issue. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, it goes back to that argument, though, of, like, you know, best overall team. It's not a power rating. It's of what have you done rating, so. Yeah, which, which I think the college football playoff ranking should, should be that. Yeah, I, yeah. I can definitely see both sides to that. Well, guys, did y'all have any more thoughts on UConn? So we we all obviously want to see Nico. We all think we'll see Nico. I think we'll see Nico. I think uh, if I had to guess, I'd probably say if I'm making a realistic guess versus what I want guess, uh, I'd say probably mid-third, late-third, we'll see him come onto the field. Um, I hope to see him, you know, start the second half just so Joe can, you know, relax and not get dinged up because you know Joe's going to run the ball a lot this game. Um, I think he's going to get – I think Joe might run for 120-plus yards this game because <laughs> yeah. he will run over anybody at UConn. I don't care what anyone says. He is going – he could run over one of their defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I kind of agree with you, normal ball fan. Um, third quarter, but my heart wants right out of the gate, starting the second half. But yeah, but realistically, it's probably sometime in the third. So, y'all want to get into some score predictions? Yes. Yeah, bring it. Go ahead. Uh, let's start with you, Ryan. What do you think? I'll go with the Vols, um, fifty-one to ten. You're being conservative. I am. But I, I'm just going off what I've seen from the offense this year. So. Okay. Oh, Bryce, uh, what about you? Yeah. Uh, it's hard for me to confidently say the Vols are going to score 50 points. I mean, UConn is atrocious. I mean, they're absolutely abysmal. Um, I think if the Vols don't score 50 points, it'll be because we just simply felt – Sorry for them or something. I don't know. I think 45 to 6 is, is kind of where I'm landing. I just, they got to prove they can score 50. Mm-hmm. 
See, I'm the complete opposite. I think, uh, I think um, Joe Milton will go into halftime with the score either 28 nothing to uh, maybe 35. Um, I think the defense is going to play really well. Obviously, um, I think UConn's points come from garbage points against the you know second third stringers. Um, because UConn starters will be in the whole game probably. Um, but I think Joe walks in at halftime up, you know, you know, at least 28. And then, uh, that's why I'm hoping we see Nico, but he might want Joe to play a little bit more to keep his momentum, which I don't blame him for. But if I'm going with the score prediction, bro, I, I could see, I can see Tennessee scoring 60 on these guys, but... It's more of does hype will take the foot off the gas or not? Uh, here's my thing: How do you take the foot off the gas when your your best play is running back? <laughs> like yeah, the yeah. fact we're gonna run down their throats and then and then what? So and we have three great running backs and then you got Cam Seldon who's good. So I mean, it's kind of I, I'm thinking fifty six. Uh, I'll give him 10 points. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. It's kind of like, how do you take the foot off the gas when running plays get you 12 yards? Yeah, and I, and I, and I mean, Joe, the way Joe was throwing last week, I, I mean, if he goes into this game doing that, he, he's going to throw for a lot too. I mean, I don't think anyone in UConn secondary is going to be able to stick with uh, Squirrel or even Dante. Uh, if Dante keeps playing the way he's been playing, uh, I wouldn't be shocked. We see him a lot and a lot of action this week, but then again, I mean, we, we all know, uh, how hyper works. He's going to go out. He's going to run a screen plays. He's going to run the ball. He's going to score probably in a minute and a half, two minutes on these guys. Cause I, I bet you, I could bet you money that Hypo's going to get the ball first and just go score. And he's going to tell Joe Milton to go have some fun today. That's exactly what he's going to tell him. No. The, the the one thing that would piss me off really bad is if we pull out some trick play against against UConn. <laughs> it's kind of like the, the Princeton fan pass to Hyatt last year against UT Martin. If we pull out, yeah. something, if we pull out something like that, I'm going to be redneck mad. Redneck like, mad? Can you explain that? Uh, it's the <laughs> level beyond mad where – you act like a redneck, which is most of most of my attitude during many of these football games. That red, redneck mad is what I was in the third quarter on Saturday night. <laughs> hey, but for real though, like I, I do. Last thing before we head out of here, I do want to talk about these Kentucky players that waited outside the uh, uh, tunnel for Tennessee to come out before the game started. I'm shocked. Because if I if I'm Tennessee, right, and I see those guys doing that, you're in my way. I'm running them the hell over. I'm surprised we didn't get a fight before the game, because I'm shocked Spragans didn't just knock someone on their ass. What'd you so, see what he did after the game? <laughs> yeah, he planted the flag, and he should have. Because I mean, we pretty much bullied them the whole game, and yeah, the score didn't show that, but. We pretty much bullied them the whole game. We got zero calls, too. And that's going to be another thing about the Missouri game that we'll talk about in our, you know, preview. But, I mean, Tennessee's gotten 
I think, two calls in the past two weeks, which is nuts. And like I said, we'll talk about it later, but I just wanted to bring that up at the end. Yeah. I also have one more thing. Um, back in 2016, I, I went. it was the year before I enrolled at Tennessee. Um, I went to the Tennessee Tech game, which was homecoming. It was Butch Jones second to last year, and we had blew it against South Carolina and uh, Alabama and A&M when everybody thought we were going to win the East. And he kicked the field goal in the second quarter, like on the half-yard line, and everybody rightfully booed him big time, like the whole stadium. And then he came into the press conference after we bludgeoned Tennessee Tech, like, good job, Uh, a blind rat could do that, like, whatever. He comes to the press conference lecturing the fans on how, oh, this is the – Third year in a row that we've made a bowl game and nobody's happy. I'm like, dude, that doesn't matter. And I know we have the right coach because he did not mention a single word about us being bowl eligible after beating Kentucky. That's what I wanted to say. I mean, uh, you could be like South Carolina who might not make a bowl game this year. Yeah, it's, it's just the point of making a bowl is not the goal of Tennessee. And it never will. It never will be the goal. Don't get me wrong. I'd rather make a ball than not. But that is not what we're striving for here. And I'm no. glad we have a coach who totally disregards that we're ball eligible. Like, yeah, who cares? Being, winning, just settling for any kind of bowl, like a seven or eight win season, and you're playing in the Music City Bowl, is disappointing to every Vol fan. In my opinion, should be at least. Now, now it should be. So. That was my final thought of the evening. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what that means. Go Vols. See y'all Go Vols. Saturday. Go Vols. See ya. Go Vols, baby.